0: Like many of you, I'm curious about several topics, and what better way to learn than to speak directly with the people who have the answers that you're looking for. My name is Costa. Welcome to Founder Views. That's what this channel is all about. You're going to hear me pick the brains of thought leaders, CEOs, politicians, and business experts about subjects that I'm thinking about or working on at any given time. From economics, business, real estate investing, Bitcoin, lifestyle, politics, and much, much more. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. Hey, Julia, great to see you again.
1: Yeah, good morning. At the headquarters,
0: busy. How are you doing?
1: Uh, It's the last today is the official marking of the last month. So we have four weeks until election day. So it's a little crazy for sure.
0: I can only imagine. I'm sure this is crunch time for you. I can't imagine how busy you are right now. Uh, so you are running for mayor of Oakville, yes. Ontario. Yes. Uh, arguably, I would say one of Canada's most prestigious cities. Um, the, the, does the added spotlight of being in Oakville bring any additional pressure to this role and potentially taking on this responsibility of mayor of Oakville?
1: That is a really great question and I'll tell you why. We are a remarkable community and a sought-after community to live in. I mean, we have distinct neighborhoods. We have Brawny, which you're familiar with, of course, Kerr Street, downtown Oakville. We have trails, miles and miles of ravine trails. We have lakefront on each end of the town. So what we offer as a community is is really it's really special but we also face a lot of challenges and i think you know this costa it doesn't stay in the sh- the way that you want it to be that does not continue that lifestyle that quality of your community depends on how hard you work every day to maintain it It doesn't just, you know, once it's there, now we have this wonderful community because we are facing uh, challenges, Costa. We are facing some big challenges like so many other communities in our country.
0: That's a really good point. And I like how how you said that. Just like anything, a relationship, a business, uh, a community, in this case, you got to work on it. It it doesn't stay amazing and great forever. So that's a a really good point.
1: And it's also change is inevitable. We know. I mean, you lived as long as I have. You absolutely accept the fact that change is inevitable. But what we want to be able to do in our lives is be able to at least direct that change so that it adds to our life and minimize any kind of negative a- impact. And that is uh, the same for a town. We know change has to happen. Like one of the biggest things for us that we're dealing with right now is how we are growing our community, right? And we have to grow. We, we are mandated by the province, first of all. In t- uh, 2006, we were mandated by the province. Um, how many numbers we actually grew by We as a municipality get to pick where those growth areas are, but we also have control what that looks like. And that is one of the biggest challenges we are facing because we have had an administration that's run on a no growth uh, agenda. And that is irresponsible to say because you cannot not grow a community, but what you can do is grow a community so everybody benefits, so that it actually assimilates into the community, so that we can be proud of it. And now our delay in following a responsible, uh, connected growth leaves us looking at 60-story towers in Oakville. And that's creating quite a, quite a a concern for so many people in our community and rightfully so.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Uh, there's a lot in there that I'd love to unpack a little bit. So sure. So this is your this is the second time you're running for mayor in Oakville back in 2018. Yes. Uh you were a very close runner up. It was it was yes. a very tight election yes. and I'm sure you learned a lot and gained invaluable experience uh, during, you know, that during that time and that you're bringing to you with this, this time around. um, What were some of those major lessons you learned or experiences you gained from that, from that 2018 election that you're using to improve your, your campaign this time around?
1: Well, Costa, what I should have learned is it's like having children and you're about to have your third. So you have a child and you just have long enough to forget how difficult it really is. And then you have another, it's it's (laughs) kind of like campaigns. You've enough time to really forget what it's going to take to run a campaign. So for you to do it again, but seriously, what did I learn? I learned that what I already knew, this is an incredibly special community. And I learned so much about how things actually work. I've been given four years of, Literally going to school. It's one thing to see an issue and point out an issue and a challenge. It's a whole nother thing to understand how the infrastructure works and how you get to a solution that everyone in your community can feel good about. And these four years have given me that opportunity to talk to that many more people. And it's also given us two years of the most unprecedented madness that none of us could have planned for Costa. Right. And now the recovery from those two years and the leadership roles in all of our communities are so, so important because we learned a lot of things in these last two years. And if we don't come out better and stronger, then the damage that those two years and the havoc that it played in our lives just becomes that much more impactful. So what I'm trying to do is look at what we learned, see the things that we did really well and we're doing well and see the areas that we need to work on and come through this stronger and better. And our community Costa was as affected as every other community in Canada. Other, sometimes you hear um, Oakville is a bubble. Well, no, it's not. There are people in our community that are struggling. And the poverty rate in our community, which is an astounding number, but 9.4% of people who live in Oakville live below the poverty line. And
0: of course- I didn't know that. I didn't know that. You didn't know
1: that, and most people don't. And the last two years, I think, have created uh, more pressure on families that were already struggling, obviously, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's very well said. Uh, So to commit yourself to run for for public office, more than once, I think this requires a very deep level of passion and desire for something. And I know you you mentioned a lot of this change, but but at the core, what, what do you think is driving that passion that's enabling you to commit to this again?
1: Well, that again, great questions all around. It is about passion. When I came to this community, I was 26 years old. I opened my first business with what, $893 in the bank. It was a little bit silly to even think that I was prepared or should have even considered doing it. But this community was so supportive and it gave me a lifestyle that I could only have dreamt of. And this community has been impactful in my life. And I owe it lots. And I think, when I think that anyone who lives in this community, I want them to feel that same acceptance. I want them to feel that same hope. I want them to know that this community, they chose it and they chose it for the right reasons. And I want to ensure that they experience feeling included, feeling heard and and supported. And that's what I had. And when I see that a town survey, this was the town survey that gave a glowing report because we do have so much wonderful, so many wonderful things to offer, Costa. But one of the stats that just stood out to me was that six out of 10 residents would not recommend Oakville, as a place to live to their family and friends. And two were indifferent. And we had a, a po- there are, uh, McLean's does a livable community um, edition. And in 2018, we were rated number one with um, Money Sense, which is a McLean's, uh, uh, is part of the McLean's group. McLean's in 2021 uh rated us number seventy one. And when you yeah. look at these 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 stats, you you can't just pay attention to all the great things. Because that's the easy part. And that's something we should celebrate. Don't get me wrong. But really the true mark of a leader is to look at, well what what's 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 the undercurrent that is happening here? And what can we do now? To ensure that well, that's not the direction we keep going, and my love for this community, the privilege of me living in this community, tells me that I I believe in what I said the first time in two thousand and eighteen. How can I not run again? And plus, my grandmother uh, Costa, you know, because uh, you're in a you're married into an Italian family, and my grandmother, when we would complain about how tired we were when we were doing something. She'd always say, so who made you do it? And when I think of that, I smile to myself and I laugh. And then I think of what made me do it. And every time I think of what made me do it, then um, the bags under my eyes, I just learned to live with, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah, I yeah. get it. I totally get it. I haven't been in Oakville as long as you have, but it's um, it's a very special place. Like, I, I really love is. Oakville. I, I can't imagine... Uh, being anywhere else with my family, to be honest, and
1: I'm really uh, happy to hear yeah, that. Yeah, but
0: at the same time, like like you said, it, it has to be it has to be worked on, it has to be pushed yes. forward, and it has to sustain the greatness that it has for sure. Well, we're,
1: we're facing we have, for example, we have the second highest rental uh, rates in all of Canada, next to Vancouver. So how do we how do we keep young people here? You know, if we don't have a possibility of them having a place to even rent. How do my, my team that work with me in my business, where do they live? When 90% of my staff do not live in the community they work in, that tells you something, right? We have a housing crisis, and we are experiencing that housing crisis in Oakville. We have issues with um, congestion. When you know people come to Oakville, they're coming to Oakville to get a break from so many of the things that big cities bring. And we are now dealing with the fact that inflation and interest rates has impacted the lives of people in our community in a way that we couldn't have even imagined. So what that says to me, so what does that have to do with the mayor? Everything. Because the money, when you think of the budget between the capital and operating budget, That's close to $600 million. That is a lot of money, Costa. And spending that money well allows you to support your community in times of trouble. Spending that money frivolously, it's gone. And we can never get that back. And that's why now more than ever, we need to really look at how we are spending our money in this community and ensure that it helps everybody, not just pet projects that people want to participate in.
0: Yeah, totally get it. Totally agree. Um, I want want to ask you a a question. So talk about the affordability crisis in housing. I just want to play a little devil's advocate here. So what do you say to the people who are or relying on higher property prices which ultimately adds to their equity and their wealth and, and, and the thought of you know bringing that down and making things more affordable which might uh, a lot of people might take that the wrong way so what do you say to that group or that segment
1: well good for you Costa for bringing it out because a lot of people don't even want to talk about that uh, thinking and we're human and of course everything we do our our lives are tied up into our homes And for most, I think the the numbers, like 90% of the major purchase that anyone ever makes in their whole lifetime will be their home. So the relevance on that to their quality of life and to the investment portfolio for their families is huge. So you never wanna underestimate the power of the influence on people and how they may feel if that's gonna be affected. Here's what I will say with complete certainty, that Oakville will never lose its value because Oakville, as we talked about earlier, has distinct qualities that are already embedded, like the distinct neighborhoods, like the waterfront, like the trails, that will never be taken away. There's distinct neighborhoods that are maintained and loved by their residents. So it's never gonna be an issue. But if we continue to lose our seniors, like you think of how many seniors, Costa, that I know have had to leave this community that they've worked so hard um, in, who they helped make this community. They now are forced to leave because they can't afford to live here. How many families, if they can't have if they don't have the resources to help their children then the youth like we have a youth drain we need young people in our community we need young people to live in our community to work in our community but if they can't afford to live here then we lose them right and do we have a silver bullet anyone who tells you that well she, sheesh, then then they're miracle workers, because there is no miracle. But we do need to start thinking outside the box. We need to look at what are they doing in other parts of the world? What are some of the housing projects that are happening and that are working? We don't have all the answers in our own community, but what we do have is brilliant people in our community. And one of the very first things I would do is put a forum together of informed individuals who can come together that are in the sector, in the development sector, in the architecture uh, sector, in the engineering sector, that could come together to say, okay, we've looked all over the world. We've been involved in this project. This has worked, this hasn't worked because we need to look at alternatives because the model that we have had for so many years is still the ideal model the single family home with a, a piece of land you can call your own, but it's not the model that will work to sustain a community for everyone. So that's where we need to be open.
0: Yeah, listen, I totally I agree. I, I think it's, it's it's important for a lot of people to recognize, like, you know, politics and anything business it does, things don't have to be so black and white just because exactly. you, know, you 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 want exactly. to help one group doesn't mean the other group suffered. there's ways to 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 do it all and okay. as best you can you're not going to be perfect but but that leads me to to my next question really like i i think in any any person in public office any level of government faces the same challenge where it's right. impossible to make everyone happy and Satisfy everyone's needs. Like, how do you cope with that and face the the disagreements and arguments that you'll inevitably have with constituents?
1: Well, hosta that is going to be that is always be the biggest challenge. But what I do know is, if you listen, then by listening, you are going to be better prepared to answer the questions. And what I do know, the loudest voice. Oh, there's my husband saying hello. We're on. Hey, <laughs> well, Costa. Hello, hello. That's Brian. So uh, when I, I heard someone crashing through my signs. I'm like, what the heck is that?
0: <laughs> of course it is.
1: That's called making an entrance. Um, what, I, what I do know, Costa, is the loudest voice isn't always right. And making the most noise doesn't necessarily mean you get all the attention. My job is to make sure that I listen to everyone equally, not just the ones who have a strong lobbying group behind them, not just the ones who have the time and the money, but I want to listen to everyone. And the decisions get made based on one singular premise. What's best for our community and what's best for the majority of our community. And if you think along those lines, Costa, then you you will get through that. But you are right, that will be the greatest, and it is the greatest uh, challenge that anyone faces in office, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you alluded to the last couple of years and how difficult things were. Right. So yeah, the last two and a half, three years almost now yes, have, almost have probably, yeah, it's it's people are still saying two years, but you know, we're we're creeping on to the third now. Yes. Um th- these have probably been one of the most difficult times for public leaders during COVID. And yes. this was something brand new, yes. unprecedented. No one has ex- had the experience to deal with something like this. So it was definitely a, a very tough time to navigate, which is yes. totally understandable. And you know, you, you we talked about what you learned from your two thousand eight election and those experiences, but Right. Looking back at the last almost three years during COVID, right. if you were mayor and you had the chance to go back and relive knowing what you know now, right. is there anything you would have done differently? Or are there any rules or policies you, you wouldn't have implemented mm-hmm. or would have doubled down on? Like, you, What did you learn during that time overall?
1: What I learned is everybody was navigating it the best way they could. And because it was unprecedented, because nobody knew and nobody experienced this before, it's very easy to be armchair critic, that's for certain. But Mm -hmm. we still have to learn from the things that we did well and the things that we didn't do as well as we could have. And so now's the time, right now is the time to prepare because we've now been through this. We have no guarantee we aren't gonna go through it again. But if we're not better prepared next time, shame on us. So, and what, what would be different for me? I would have been there, I would have been seen. That would be a time for me as a leader to, even though it's like this through Zoom, even if it's outdoors and you have to be from afar, but my job as a municipal leader as the mayor would be to be certain that the people in our community knew I was there and I would listen to them and I would hear what their concerns are. And I would do my best to direct them to the people who may have the answers or I would do the best to find answers for them. But I would certainly be seen because in the times of difficulty, we need to be reassured. Simple.
0: Yeah, yeah. Even totally if you agree. Even totally if you agree. don't
1: have all the answers, cost it. They just need to know you're there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, putting yourself in that time. There's only so much you could do. You're navigating right. through it. Was Was there any? Uh, this might be a tough question to answer, but it was is there anything specific that you think wasn't done well or handled well?
1: I. That's a really, I think communication, I think the coordination of the communication, I think the confusion around the communication, um, especially when it came to the mandates, a lot of people were confused as to how they happened and, and why they happened that way. So why the big box stores were open and the small independents couldn't be. Those are the kind of things that I think need to be clarified because those are the kind of things that create angst in people. So, as a small business owner, knowing that the uh, the national chains and the big the big stores could continue to ply their trade and you couldn't participate, that, quite frankly, maybe was the one area that I. I'd say, whoa! There needs to be a better policy. So I'm sure what's going to happen now, there is going to be a step-by-step plan, and and how uh, if it ever happens again, how we are um, the mandates happen. And I think that from learning from from that experience, because I think a lot of small businesses, to be well, I'm, I'm going to be very frank here, uh, Costa, a lot of small businesses uh, did feel that they were left floundering because they sure didn't have the resources that a lot of the national chains had. And then the national chains being able to participate in what they do and small businesses couldn't, really made small businesses feel isolated. And who's there for me? That's one thing I know I would advocate for strongly. With certain.
0: Totally. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that, that that's a great example. So the whole uh, big box um, example where, where they were staying open, a lot of small businesses uh, weren't open. Is there a lot, I'm sure a lot of are still wondering to this day, like, is there a logical explanation for that yet, three years later?
1: You know, I don't even think at this point, uh, that's a, again, Costa, that question will only create frustration for everyone. I think the key right now is to make sure it never happens that way again, because I think, you know, the key right now is to be made aware and to be solid on knowing that is not the way to ensure that everyone feels that they are being treated equally. Where do problems happen Costa, in our lives? Where does it happen with our kids? If one of our kids is getting all the attention and the other one isn't, what happens, right? It's the harmony in the family is gone. So it's the same thing for every person that lives in this community. It's same thing for small businesses, big businesses. They wanna be heard, they wanna be seen. And during the pandemic, uh, small businesses, uh, many small businesses did not feel heard or seen as much as the larger businesses were.
0: That, yeah, that I'm confident in That so. goes without saying, yes. for sure, for yes. sure. Uh, and sticking to the concept of uh, small business, as a business owner yourself in the community, owner of multiple restaurants, uh, which, which are amazing, by the way. Thank um, you. Thank <laughs> this you is thank an industry you. specifically that was one of the most negatively impacted in Always. the last three years. I personally know uh, more than one restaurant owners that actually didn't survive during COVID. So and I know you 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 hammered down on a message already, but what is your message to specifically those small business owners and and how can business owners regain the trust of governments? I think that's the key word is trust to ensure their livelihoods aren't put at risk due to these overreaching policies and which yeah. a lot of them uh, still to this day are, are not logical. So how, how do you do that?
1: So how do people, like how, sm- you mean how do small businesses begin? Yeah, like how, how, how can they, they read? Yeah.
0: Exactly. Do you yeah. know
1: something, Costa? You need to take the time. And that's the thing with small businesses. Most small businesses are doing everything. They're their own accountant. They're their own server. They're They're doing, they're playing so many roles. You know, they're their own marketing team. You know, they're, They they do so much that it's hard to ask more of them. But if we don't get involved, if we don't look at who our leaders are, that's why the biggest thing we talk about in our campaign on October the 24th, Election Day, we have three uh, days that you can uh, vote ahead of time. What I push out, of course, as someone who's running politically, of course, you'd like the vote yourself. But I am absolutely driven by the message that we must vote. We are tired and we're weary. We have mistrust. You know, people don't necessarily trust their government and that's scary. Did you know I heard uh, David Jock, the former Governor General of Canada said and a, a, a stat the other day on television that 8.9% of the world is run by a democratic government. Whoa, if that's not enough to make you go, holy. So we need to fight hard to preserve this. And as weary as we are, because it is exhausting, we have so much pressure that not fighting to preserve this democratic process, whether it's in a municipal election, a provincial election, a federal election, doesn't matter they're equally relevant in protecting the thing that we live with and that is living under a democratic society and to lose that wow the thought of that just that that gives me even bigger bags under my eyes and the thing is we can't take it for granted costa you know what did mussolini the famous saying of mussolini when he said you know uh fascism and and populism, how does that happen? You pluck a a chicken one feather at a time. So you quietly do it and nobody's really noticing until it's like, uh-oh. And I want to really fight for our right to have the freedoms that we have at all levels in government and in Canada, we've had it so good for so long that human nature tells us we can take it for granted, right?
0: And yeah, you, and you're totally right. And, and I, I have a confession like, to make, and this is nothing I'm proud of at all, but the last provincial election this past summer yes. was the very first election of any kind that I can remember where I didn't vote. And my reason for that, personally, I just felt this feeling of kind of pointlessness. I lost a lot of trust in government leaders. I just had no mm-hmm. desire at the time yes. to cast a vote. And believe me, you don't have to tell me why that's not a good thing. Uh, I already know. And again, uh, nothing I'm proud of. And I won't do it again, for sure. I, w- I will vote. Uh, but the fact is that I, along with many others that I personally know, and clearly a lot of Ontarians felt the same way. Uh, because in the last provincial election was actually the lowest turnout in history. And
1: it was Only 43%
0: yeah. right. of those eligible actually casted a vote. That's, wow. that's very low. Before that it was 48 percent so it's significant jump so I know I'm clearly not alone in this thinking so how are you trying to engage with that large disconnected set of voters right now?
1: That is really maybe the most important question you've asked me Costa because what you are saying and, and, and admitting to unfortunately a lot of a lot of people felt the same and the most and when that happens that's not a win-win like i don't think as much as you may be in power nobody wants to win like that you want to win with an engaged electorate right you want people involved and what i am doing is a really a grass we have a grassroots campaign i am out meeting people 24 7. and that's how you change things because people there's a disconnect you see My job is not to criticize people who didn't vote. My job is to understand why do good people like you, because I know you're a good person and I know you care. So how does someone like you get so disenchanted and so disconnected that you don't go out to vote? Then my job is to make sure as someone who wants to be the mayor of Oakville, is to find out what happened and to make sure that whatever that disconnect is, my job is to is to close that gap. My job is to make sure I get seen. My job is to make sure people get heard if I meet anyone and they don't feel like I listen to them, I failed. I failed. And our political leaders have to learn how to listen. Our political leaders have to acknowledge that they don't have all the answers and, They actually have to admit, one, they screw up because they're human. We are human and we don't get it right because if we did, we'd be perfect. And what a boring world that would be, right? And there's no chance of that happening. Definitely not in my life. But the point is when you know that you have listened to someone and they feel heard, what you know is that you've learned something and what you know is that person feels... Validated. And what you do as a leader, when you acknowledge that I could have done that better, instead of blaming, finger pointing, it's this provincial government's fault. It's the federal government's fault. It's the weather's fault. You know, that blame game does nothing but distract people and confuse people. And this is why I think so many people are confused with politicians. There's so much finger pointing, no ownership no owning it and if you don't own it and admit that you are human you thought you got it right and you didn't and you should have done a better job of listening then how are you going to make it better so i think
0: i think yeah. we
1: need to own it and i think politicians need to own how we got here
0: i think you nailed it on the head uh personally accountability i think at the mm-hmm. core that's what most Human beings, people want to hear. Most people are reasonable. Like, I truly believe that. And when, when you keep pointing the finger and not looking in the mirror, uh, you eventually get a lot of just disengaged people who are thinking, okay, like what's the point? Like no one's being accountable. It's gonna be the same thing every time. And I think uh, I think that, that's been happening for for a lot longer way before COVID, but I think yeah. the last two, three years has, has really escalated that, that thought and feeling in people. But, but yeah, I think you you nailed 100% it on the head. Right. accountability.
1: It's it's far worse after three years. You would hope uh, close to three years now. You would hope that it would be more unified. But you know something, Costa? What has this done? It's it's shown us our strengths, but it's also shown us our weaknesses. So now we know we need to do better, and now it's time that we do. Now it's time to own it, own it, and and when you, and that's one thing about being a business owner, and you know. When you have your own business, you learn to be accountable because if you don't, if you're not, you're not going to stay in business because the assumption is that you're either perfect and you're never going to make any mistakes, haven't met that person yet, or sometimes in your quest to be doing what you're doing, you're not going to get it right. And you just, you got, you know, people, when they know it's not right and you keep insisting that it's someone else's fault, someone else's fault, someone else's fault, that person never is going to have hope that you're going to fix it, that you're going to make it better. And
0: that's what people want. Yeah. Right? For sure. And in a very practical, basic business lesson that I've learned over the years, right? Every business no, no business is perfect. Everyone's gonna mm. make mistakes, as with government. And but one thing that I've learned, no matter how much you mess up, if you are able to own up to that mistake and yes. immediately acknowledge it, reach out to that customer or constituent in this case and say, Yeah, I messed up. This yeah. is how I'm gonna fix it, just just that reach out automatically eases their their frustration and and regains that level of trust immediately. If you sit back now and, and say, you know what, it's not my fault. This is why it happened. Like, you know, that, that never ends up well. That client is not going to be a client for that much longer. But so,
1: you know, the difference today though, Costa, to be fair to the other side, is that social media today is, is can be brutal and yes. it can be so aggressive. And you know, the Mm -hmm. the keyboard warriors can come at you with such a full force that I can understand how some people would just pull back and say, Mm -hmm. because if I own this, I'm going to get killed. Right. But it doesn't change the fact that the more you pass it on to someone else, the less that you own something that you could have done better, then there's no chance to make it better, right? So
0: exactly, yeah,
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that costume. but that's a hard thing to do because most politicians, when you're in politics, you want to get reelected. And um, the fear of not getting reelected and gambling on telling the truth. So I think our focus, if we can shift our focus back to not getting, re- just about being reelected, I think if we just focus on doing our job the best we can, which means sometimes we're not gonna get it right. I think that that focus is better than focusing on if this, if me acknowledging this might um, might diminish my chances of being reelected, right?
0: I agree. I agree. I think uh, I think being real and relatable is is the best strategy you can have in politics, in my opinion.
1: Uh, in life, but, Costa, because when you try to be someone else, that's a lot exactly, of work. Yeah. You know, and I I have wonderful people around me and I've you know, I have people telling me, well, you know, say, look, whatever I'm going to do and whatever I'm going to say in order for me to be able to own it, it has to be who I am. If I'm trying to be someone else, because some expert tells me, if you look this way and you talk this way and you behave this way, you're going to get this, then all you're doing is being someone, you know, that authenticity, people need it. And you know what? Hopefully people will respond. I hope by me being my imperfect, imperfect self, that gives people permission to be the same with me. You know, that makes it easier for them to be human. You know, that they don't feel that they, they're going to be criticized or they're going to be judged because they made a mistake because they're talking to someone and looking at someone who's obviously, you know, hasn't got it right all the time. Right. Yeah. And isn't afraid to for say sure. it.
0: So for sure, for sure. Let's talk about your action plan for a yes. second here. Um, Tell me. W- one of those items uh, that I read, it's about fiscal management, yes. which I totally think is a massive problem for any level of government. I 100%. mean That goes without saying, but uh, I feel like this is unfortunately, one of those problems that are a lot easier said than done to solve. And I'm not saying this Oakville has this problem because I don't know. But how do you change a deeply rooted culture and habit of waste and wasted spending, wasted resources, <clears throat> without becoming unpopular internally and politically?
1: Well, isn't that like the? I thought you gave me the best question, the last question. I think this is even better <laughs> because this is a, this is truth time. This is truth speak here. Let me tell you. You Mm -hmm. nailed it. And, but the reality is if you see, where do I come from? I come from owning businesses for 40 years and I know the balancing act it takes. And if you approach running a town, like you run a successful business, then you don't spend money wastefully, really simply. Problem is when you have so much money to play with, it can be easy to be wasteful. And unless you understand the relevance of that, and I'll give you an example. We, um, we spent $11 million in Oakville on outside legal litigation to defend Glen Abbey now defending Glen Abbey was relevant because Glen Abbey, the proposal for Glen Abbey was insane, but it was the application has been pulled but it was the provincial government asking the developer to pull the application. That $11 million did not move the needle. It means sitting at a table and talking to people and negotiating a better outcome. And we will never get that $11 million back. We designed a cultural hub in downtown Oakville 2013 and we spent 15 million dollars designing something that we didn't have the money to do that to me is insanity Costa, because if i don't have the money if i it would be like me paying designers paying uh you know and paying employees and and getting a team ready to open a restaurant when i don't have the money to build that restaurant that's insane and those are the kind of things that irresponsible spending, once that money is gone and you know it, we know it in our own lives, when we waste money, we never get it back. Okay? And if I do not run my business with the margins it needs to pay its bills, if I do that for a week or two weeks, it's going to be a matter of a month or two that I am not going to be able to keep running my business. And that's how we need to approach the talent. You need to spend money responsibly and you need to advocate among and work with your counselors and everybody needs to know where that money is going. And one person does not get to decide how that money is spent. It's a collaborative effort. And if you misspend it, you better explain to me why. And that's what we don't. Absolutely, see. that's what I don't see. Yeah. And that's what back to make.
0: accountability, right? Yeah. Also, the consequences of of uh, wasted spending are are usually always from from the government side, higher taxes, and we're yes. also seeing that in Oklahoma yes. property taxes too, right? Someone's got to pay for the bill. It's always the the, the residents or the consumers, in business, right?
1: And you know, Costa, to get back to people's disillusionment and and feeling that frustration being disillusioned and think they're never gonna affect change. I know where that comes from and I understand why, but giving into that feeling and not fighting for things to be better is only gonna guarantee the outcome that it won't be. And it'll only continue to get worse. And that's, that's what I advocate for because we have to be part of the solution and we have to work hard To be part of the solution or else we become not even part of the problem we let the problem just happen and that's not an alternative that i sit comfortably with that's for sure
0: yeah for sure for sure Uh, i do want to be mindful of your time i have one last question sort of a a two-part question so just to wrap it up here if you had the floor and were able to speak to every single person in oakville Right. Uh, one, how are you going to get people like me uh, who to get back out and vote? And why are you the best person to be the next mayor of Oakville?
1: Wow! So you saved the best to last, didn't you, Costa? <laughs> <laughs> you saved the best to last. <laughs> um, well, I think I think I would just invite everybody to get in their car and drive through the downtown core, drive through Kerr Street, drive through Brawny. I, t- I encourage everybody to walk through those beautiful trails and go down to the lake and see why we need to fight and we need to work hard all out. And that is the challenge. You can't for 16 years work all out. And the only way you can do this job as well as it needs to be done is 24 seven foot on the gas the whole time. And I would say Once you take a look around you and remember, and, and and just sort of tell yourself, well, why did I move here? Then you want to make sure that you stay connected to the community, not just by living in it, but by voting, right? And why am I that person? Why I hope you would vote for me is because I can promise you that I will listen, I will promise you that this will be an inclusive. Inclusive Council, I will promise you that you'll be heard, and I will promise you that I'm fearless in making the difficult decisions that you have to make to benefit your community. So,
0: yeah, well said, well said. And if, if for someone listening from Oakville wants to learn more about you or beyond Oakville, where's the best place they could do that?
1: Juliahanna.ca and Hannah with an A, so H A N N A dot C A. Uh, yeah. We have an amazing team, and we will respond back because why? Because we really do need to hear from you.
0: For sure, for sure. Julia, thank you so yeah. much for the time here. I uh, want to wish you best of luck. Yeah.
1: Same and, uh, to you. and I'm same sure, to you I'm sure we'll do this again. again. Well, I hope we do this again. Tell me because this has been a pleasurable morning for me uh, way to start my Monday. I can tell you that. Um, tell me when's <laughs> the baby, when's the baby due?
0: End of February.
1: Oh, so you're going to get right into the spring. Good timing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes.
0: Exciting th- times ahead. <laughs> yeah. Get
1: through the ugliness of winter. Very, very good. Exactly. Well yeah. done.
0: I know. So it was wonderful yeah, talking time. to you,
1: Costa. Okay.
0: Likewise, likewise. Thanks so much. Yeah, say and hi we'll to we'll the definitely family. definitely chat again soon.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully we'll talk soon and say hi to the family, okay?
0: Awesome. All Thanks, right. Julia.
1: Okay, bye for now, darling. Bye for now.